Welcome in to another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. It's Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021. Coming from the Tesla Studios here in beautiful, sunny San Diego, California. I'm your host, Dean Ryan, bringing you episode number 40, actually, of the Cali Green Monster Show. Every time I hear the number 40, I think it's just burned in my head from when I was a kid watching SportsCenter, seeing Mike Gundy, the coach for Oklahoma State football. And he just had like the one of the most epic press conferences of all time. Just the, I'm a man, I'm 40. Like every time I hear 40, I just go, I'm a man, I'm 40 in my head. So if you know you're around me at any point and the number 40 is even reference or something, just know like in Dean's head at some point there's, I'm a man, I'm 40. Just kind of like in every time you, you hear someone say practice, like in my head, I just like hear Allen Iverson just going like, practice. We talking about practice or like whenever time I hear playoffs, I think of Jim Moore like playoffs. So it's just there's like a few things like few like, man, like memorable sports press conferences, you know, and I feel like the I'm a man. I'm 40 is definitely up there. So I think I just took up a, a nice bit of the intro just talking about memorable sports press conferences and Mike Gundy. And, yeah, I think we can move on and, you know, get on to the rest of the show. Today I wanted to highlight a little bit of some UFC talk, stuff that's independent from the pay-per-view this weekend. Maybe not quite independent because Israel, Israel Adesanya will be mentioned at some point, but I still plan on covering UFC 259 and the three title fights in greater detail on Friday's show. But there's a few things that, you know, in the UFC that's worth talking about. I mean, they have UFCs going on every single weekend. So, I mean, there's going to be something to talk about. So, I will talk some UFC. The Lakers played last night. They lost last night. So, I'll highlight that real quick at some point. Well, you know, I could just talk about that real quick right now because there's not really much I want to say about that. The Suns handled the Lakers 114-104, snapped the Lakers' kind of little modest two-game win streak that they built up over the weekend. I mean, the Phoenix Suns are a pretty good team this year. They're second place in the West right now, I think tied with the Lakers. So I think going down the stretch, I still think, you know, when the Lakers get Anthony Davis and everything, they'll be fine. But, you know, keep in mind, Phoenix still was able to figure out a way to win, even without Devin Booker for, like, basically the whole second half because Booker got kicked out so I think that was an impressive win by Phoenix and kind of showing that they are the real deal and that they probably will you know be a contender in the West along with you know Denver Utah and both Los Angeles teams so uh, another key thing to come out from that game is the Lakers are traveling to Sacramento tonight to play the Los, uh, Sacramento Kings I almost said the Los Angeles Kings because I mean <laughs> LA Kings are my favorite hockey team so you know, anytime I think King, Sacramento is usually a far, far, far second, third, or fourth. I don't even I don't even think I think about Sacramento when I think of the Kings. But what I was saying is LeBron, he's gonna miss his first game of the season. He's you know, it's the Lakers last game before the all-star break. LeBron is supposed to be the captain for one of the all-star teams, so you know, he's getting some well deserved rest. He's been putting lots of minutes. Even last night, I think he had he had a pretty impressive performance. I think he got like thirty six or thirty eight points to go along with with like five rebounds and four assists. So, you know, LeBron has really been delivering this year. And I think even yesterday I saw a stat that he's been one of the best defensive players all season this year. So, you know, LeBron James, 
he really is playing at an MVP level, just carrying the team both on the offensive side of the floor and really anchoring that defense, especially while Davis has been out. So, you know, I don't I don't know how Los Angeles is going to do tonight, but, you know, we can consider it a wash without having Anthony Davis or LeBron James. So I think, you know, tune in, I guess, if you're a diehard Laker fan. But, you know, I'm not really expecting anything much besides just kind of a rest night and them kind of to cruise going into the All-Star break. And the Lakers' next game won't be until March 12th. So, all right, that was me talking about the Lakers. And if you want to hear some more basketball talk or learn or hear some more basketball, check out Bleacher Report. Go watch ESPN because I'm mostly a Lakers show unless there's something else that's pretty dope. Kind of like, well, for example, I think a couple nights ago, the Hornets had like an epic comeback. And, you know, the Hornets are an awesome team to kind of just keep an eye on just strictly. I mean, LaMelo Bell, Ball is so fun to watch as a rookie. I mean, this dude, since he's become a starter, I think he's averaging like 21 points, seven points, or seven rebounds, seven assists. So this guy's a stud. You know, even I think it's like him being in the league has even helped his older brother Lonzo because Lonzo's playing really good as well. So, you know, ball bros are, you know, doing awesome right now. I'm sure LeVar Ball's pretty pumped that a Cali Green Monster show, one of the most prestigious sports shows that are recorded out of a Tesla coming out of Southern California that there is going on right now. So LeVar Ball's pumped that I'm talking about his sons right now. And, you know, let's be real. This is more basketball talk than I anticipated on having on this show. So why don't we move on and talk some UFC as I had promised earlier in the show. So... One of the stories that was kind of interesting that I've heard over the past couple days is involving Paulo Costa. He was the last guy to challenge Israel Adesanya for the 185-pound title. It was back in September, and it was considered a pretty big middleweight title by about at the at the time. And you know, looking back, it still was because both guys were undefeated, and there's very few times in UFC history where a belt is contested between two guys that are have undefeated records so, and you know both guys are you know primarily stand-up guys so there was a lot of hype going into that you know but Adesanya proved that he was you know a class or two above Paulo Costa and completely outmatched him and TKO'd him in the second round so Costa after the fight was you know upset because Adesanya did like a little like kind of like an air hump after and you know of course Costa is going to be disrespected by that and you know that might be a little unnecessary but you know don't come looking for sympathy from me because I'm one of those dudes at the UFC like I said it's one of those things that's it's entertaining in addition to being sport it's as closest to getting to professional wrestling as you can so I like that. I like my seeing my champs with swagger. I kind of like heel tactics, and that's exactly what that was. You know, Paulo Costa asking for a rematch. It was kind of comical. And especially now with this news story that came out, is he was saying that the reason why he performed so shitty against Adesanya is that the night before, so he fought on a Saturday night. So he was saying on Friday night, he drank an entire bottle of wine. So he was hung over the next day for his fight. And that just seems like such a shitty excuse. You know, this is a guy that going into that fight, it was a grudge fight. It was, I don't know how much higher you need the stakes to be. So him coming out saying he wants a rematch and saying that he would do so much better and now saying that he would do better because he was fighting hungover. It's like, dude, that's your fucking problem. Like, you should have known 
that drinking a big bottle of wine right the night before your fight probably isn't going to help. And then I'm also like wondering, is that even true? Because Costa is someone that when you hear about people that train with him and from his coaches that, you know, because if you look at him, he's chiseled. He's just got like every muscle that you can think of. And when you see someone like that, especially in combat sports or professional athletes, a lot of times you think, you know, performance enhancing drugs. I'm not saying that, but because especially when you hear it from his coaches that say he's one of those guys that like measures out exactly how much rice he's going to eat and watching exactly like, you know, his macros and stuff. So it just seems really out of character for a guy who's that dedicated to his craft and dedicated to his body to just like down a bottle of wine the night before. But you never know. I mean, he's never fought for a title before and the nerves of you know, having to perform in front of millions of people, headlining a pay-per-view, fighting against, you know, one of the best pound per pound fighters in the game right now, you know, that could rattle anyone's nerves, but to be like a world champion fighter or be considered at that, you know, caliber or level, you need to be able to handle those nerves. And that's why, you know, Adesanya or, you know, someone like a Kamara Usman or anyone that, you know, gets the title and is able to defend the title, it's impressive because there's so much pressure that comes with that. You know, a lot of people, you always hear from people that make it to the top of the mountain and become UFC champions. They always say it's a lot harder to keep the title than to get it on the way up because everyone's gunning for you. So, you know, if Paulo Costa, if being the challenger and that was too much to rattle his nerves, I don't know. He, that's something that he's going to either need to see a sports psychologist or something that he's going to have to get over in time because he's never going to be able to be the main guy or a champion in the UFC if, you know, one, he's got to resort to drinking a bottle of wine to drink to sleep the night before. And then two, if he does have to drink that bottle of wine, he's hung over and using that as excuses because, you know, I think that's one of the worst thing as, as a fight fan. And I think from other fighters in general is when you got a fighter who's just pulling out every excuse in the book for why he lost, you know, this is a bad one. Reminds me of, you know, Deontay Wilder with all the excuses he's had after his Tyson Fury, his second Tyson Fury fight. So I don't know. I just want to see my fighters. If they do take an L, it's just, you know, accept that you took an L regardless of what it is, regardless if you had an injury, regardless of if you had, you know, you drank a bottle of wine or regardless if you had COVID or regardless of you had diarrhea. I don't really want to hear the excuse. Like what I really would like to see is the bounce back. You know, we're going to get a good chance to see what Paulo Costa has in his bounce back because a couple of days ago it was announced that he's going to be fighting Robert Whitaker in April. Robert Whitaker is a former 185 champion, so I think that's going to be the perfect test for Paulo Costa. Robert Whitaker is an excellent stand-up kickboxer from you know New Zealand. He's tough as shit, so I think it's you know that's something that dude mark my calendars. That's mark your calendars if there was ever a time to get ESPN Plus because I think it is going to be headline a fight night card. It would be to get you know a fight like that. I think that's one of the one of the best non-title fights you could put together and that's so i'm you know i'm building a lot of hype for that so i really hope that you know come april that these two guys can deliver and especially you know you never know with ufc sometimes you get some epic cards that get booked and then they get scrapped at the last second especially during these times of covid you never know what's going to happen so hopefully we get a chance to see paula costa kind of be able to you know 
get this bad taste of all these excuses and that last performance with Adesanya. Get that bad taste of it out of our mouths, and let's see what he can do against Robert Whitaker. And hey, if Robert Whitaker can come in and stop Paulo Costa or have an impressive performance, Robert Whitaker could be up next for a 185 pound shot. So that'd be interesting to see. You know, and Adesanya, he's already come out and said that he doesn't plan on leaving the 185 pound division. You know, if he were to come out and win on Saturday night. So, you know, he's even been mentioning that basically his weight right now, he can he could make 185 for Saturday if he had to. He's even mentioning in an interview with Ariel Hawani that his body is already knows that it's fight week. And for fight week for his entire career, whether it was boxing or kickboxing or UFC, it that requires losing weight. So he says that his body already is kind of like starting to lose weight naturally, like knowing that it's fight week. So he's expecting that come fight night, he not, he might not even be close to that 205 pound weight limit that's, you know, that's allowed for the light heavyweight division. He's saying, don't be surprised if it comes out at 193 or 194. So, I mean, that's pretty interesting, especially if he can keep that kind of weight and if he can somehow win the title on Saturday night, that'd be interesting because a lot of times with these double champs, they just go up in weight class and don't really defend their lower weight class belt. So Israel Desanya, maybe he's going to be the first men's double uh, you know, double title holder to be able to hold down two divisions. So that's something to definitely keep an eye out. And then another bit of UFC news that's been kind of, you know, kind of interesting to follow over the past couple days is that of Kamzat Shemaev is, you know, he's the welterweight from Chechnya that really kind of took the UFC by storm this summer. He was a short minute replacement in July. You know, he won his fight by submission in round two. Then on 10 days notice, like 10 days later, he took another fight just on short notice and he won that in a round one TKO and then he wanted to fight again. So he fought for a third time in September. So, you know, he made his debut in July fought again and now is having his third fight in September. So that's a crazy pace. Most people will be lucky to get three UFC fights in an, in a year and Kazmat got three because then in his, in his third fight, it was a 17 second knockout, like right away. So this guy's the real deal. I remember that that third win that he got, Daniel Cormier and the announcers were just so excited and just claiming that this guy's the real deal. And, you know, he'd only had three fights in the UFC and they were all calling for him to either get a title shot or be fighting a contender. And that's what they UFC slotted him up with. He was supposed to be fighting Leon Edwards in December, like like I think it was like December 20th or something. But in late November, Kazmat had to get pulled from that because of COVID-19 so that fight got postponed till January and then had to get postponed again because Kazmat of COVID-19 complications so it got pushed back to March and then like I think a couple weeks ago back in like mid-February Dana White just had to straight up cancel the fight because of Kazmat's like slow recovery from COVID-19 so a couple days ago on Instagram I guess Kazmat just like put out like an emotional message just an emotional post that was saying that that he's done that basically he's done I got the update on like all my like Bleacher Report app and ESPN app and they're saying you know UFC welterweight Kazmat Shemaev quits and you know pretty much soon right after that 
you were hearing from Dana White, and he was saying, no, like, he didn't quit. It was just, like, he just had a rough training session. Like, he shouldn't have been training. Apparently, he's prescribed on the steroid prednisone right now. So, you know, when you're on prednisone, I've been on prednisone when I was recovering from my, my own pericarditis. So that's a steroid that's really supposed to, like, help decrease inflammation and, and all that stuff. And I guess this Kazmat was just so eager to get back in the gym that you know he went and tried to have a training session which obviously if he's recovering from COVID-19 and needs to be on a steroid just to kind of control the inflammation I guess that he has in his lungs he just had a really bad training session and it was really discouraging so jumped on social media and and retired quote unquote I guess that's according to Dana White so he seems to be shooting down the idea and mentioning that they're planning on having Kazmat they're shooting to have him fighting in June so I think as of right now I don't think he's retiring I think something that was kind of interesting was that you know it wasn't just Dana White that was saying that he talked to Kazmat it was also the leader of the Chechen government um what's this dude's name it's uh, da, 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 da. Ramzan Kadriov. Yeah, I wrote that. I was like, I'm. There's no way I'm gonna be able to remember that. But Ramzan Kadriov, you know, he's a controversial leader in Chechnya. I'm, I'm not gonna go into Chechnyan politics with Russia and stuff and the human rights like sanctions that have been brought up against them over the last year but basically he kind of came out and said that you know Kazmat is a hero to the Chechnyan people and the Chechnyan children so that pretty soon he's going to he's going to be brought back to his home country to do his rehabilitation there and that you know he's going to be a champion and continue being an inspiration to you know the the people of his home country so you know according to dana white and then the leader of his you know of chechnya he's not retiring so i think it's just kind of interesting that this guy joined the ufc in july and you know it's only in march and he's just you know he's he's really been in the news for both good and bad and strange reasons so you know i'm I, you know i'm hoping he can recover well you know it seems like you know with the COVID-19 it's like it, it really affects like random people you know I mean like in, in difficult ways I mean this guy's like 25 26 years old and you know a cage fighter and one of the most in-shape people you could be I'm not sure if maybe since he's been continually booked for cards and they've just continuously been postponed if he hasn't allowed himself to recover from COVID and that's why it's just been such a lingering issue I know for me in the past when I was 18 I got sick with the flu and it was right around the time I was rushing a fraternity and I didn't take care of it and after a week I wound up in the hospital with myo and pericarditis and, you know myocarditis is one of the heart things that's been you know, attributed with like some COVID-19 cases. So, and you know, when, when the doctors were telling me how I got it, they were just saying, Hey, that's the influenza. You weren't really resting and it eventually went to your heart and gotcha, you know? So like maybe with Kazmat, it's just a case of this dude is constantly booked for fights. He's trying to get in the cage as much as possible and probably was trying to train too soon after, you know, having COVID. So hopefully Kazmat can just rest up, take the time that he needs, not feel pressured. And hopefully we can see him in the cage soon because, you know, in the few performances we've seen, he's been extremely impressive and if you look at like for example Khabib who's been one of the greatest fighters in UFC history he comes from you know he comes from Dagestan which is a different you know it's not Chechnya but it's a similar part 
of you know of the of the world and those dudes are fighters so oh damn i don't know if you heard the espn update just rumbling through the studios right now but uh yeah let me try to gather my thoughts and yeah i think that i think that's all i really wanted to say about kazmat get well kazmat and we want to see you soon because you're an exciting fighter and the welterweight division is all that much better to have you in it all right, let's switch out of sports real quick. I just wanted to give a recommendation to my loyal listeners about a pretty cool YouTube video or a clip from the Bill Maher show. It was from, I think, this past weekend. If you just look up Bill Maher and cancel culture, Bill Maher cancel culture. I'm, I'm sure if you put in Bill Maher, cancel culture is going to be the first thing that comes up. And I don't want to get too much into it because I feel like Bill Maher, he's a professional and he articulates, articulates it really well. But, you know, he was just talking about how cancel culture is a real problem in this country. You know, that from a source, this is from his show, that a poll, a recent poll showed that 80% of Americans are uncomfortable with political correctness but everyone's too afraid to say anything because you know if you look nowadays it's almost like a daily list of new celebrities or people in the public figure that are canceled for just a number of reasons some of them just being completely ridiculous you know if you look at Gina Carano she literally got canceled for her politics like that's just that's just what it is like you could say that what she posted about the you know with the you know, the Jews and Holocaust and stuff that that wasn't appropriate. And I agree that isn't appropriate. But the thing is, it, it was OK from Hollywood people and the public when when Trump was the Nazi and and, you know, America was being compared to Nazi Germany when Trump was in office. So it was OK then. So let's be real. Gina Carano got fired for her political beliefs. And. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too much into it, but basically a meme that i saw yesterday and it kind of sums up what's going on i think in our society and our world that's just kind of like okay guys we really need to figure this out this isn't being progressive okay the meme was it was like 90s children sticks and stones can break my bones but words can never hurt me in 2021 in 2021 adults it's words are literally violence like i mean that's almost that could be like an onion headline but it's real life. It's 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 real life. So take a listen to Bill Maher's kind of little monologue about cancel culture and let me know what you think because if you want my opinion, whatever Bill Maher was saying, like I feel like I 100% agree and that's kind of my stance on cancel culture and you know kind of like this political correctness that's kind of gotten too crazy hopefully me even just highlighting this subject or talking about the subject hopefully a cali green monster doesn't get canceled and all my loyal listeners stop listening hopefully you don't but as bill maher was mentioning is that if 80 percent of the country is uncomfortable with it but none of us say anything about it then it's just we're just going to keep living this uncomfortable reality that has been taking that's been going on so consider this me speaking out a bit or using my platform to denounce this crazy political correctness that we've been seeing so before i end the cali green monster show you know i want to just kind of give a shout out 
slash highlight this band that I followed. You know, it's one of the the shows that I follow every day. It's Pat McAfee's show. They have a podcast with the guys that work in the studio. I listen to that. And there's a band that I've discovered through listening to that show. It's a folk band. They're called You're the Buffalo. And they have really great music. They, like, make some of the theme songs for the show. And there's a few songs in particular, and, like, one actually really in particular, that really just helped me in over this past year. You know, my mom passed away in April. And there's definitely been, you know, it's been a tough year. It's been a tough year for everybody. But, you know, losing your mom, it was it was even more particularly tough. And I found that the music that this band produced really helped me and it was really touching. And, you know, sometimes if I needed a good cry, I'd put on a song. And, like, there was one song of theirs that really felt as almost like my mom was talking to me. And it's just, you know, so I just really appreciated that band. And so this morning on Twitter... I saw that the the guy from the band, the singer, he's just got diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And this guy's, you know, he's, you know, I, I see it's like the Twitter handles year of the Buffalo, like 87. So I imagine that's birth year. Like, that's just what I'm guessing. You know, every time I see pictures of him in posts, he looks about my age, like early 30s. And hearing seeing that post you know I don't even know the guy personally but it just I just broke down it reminded me of you know getting the phone call hearing that my mom had stage four cancer you know it's like and before my mom got diagnosed with that whenever you'd hear someone has cancer like so-and-so is stage four cancer you do the you know the thoughts and prayers you're gonna you're gonna beat this you got this and I guess after, you know, experience everything with my mom and now like when you see news like this, it just it makes me sick to my stomach. You know, I don't want anyone or anyone to have to personally go through that after watching what my mom had to go through. I don't want anyone's family to have to go through that. So, you know, I'm just trying to send my best wishes, positive vibes, the year of the buffalo. I hope that, you know during honestly this rough time and getting some of the worst news i mean i think what makes this so devastating is like not only just that he was young guy like just a cut like a month or two ago he was mentioning like hey we just heard our song on the radio for the first time and i remember telling my wife like having her listen to one of the show when listen to one of their songs like these guys are going to be big like because they're just so good and so it was just devastating news, and I, I felt like I had to, I just had to bring it out, bring it up on this show, and you know, just to be able to address and that this band has meant a lot to me, and I'm really hoping that all the positive vibes from me and people that listen to Year of the Buffalo, and hopefully you guys, you know, if you guys can send them positive vibes to this band that you may have never heard. You know, check them out on YouTube. They're really good. If you like folk music, I I think they're great. And, um, yeah. So, kind of a a, a down note to end the show. But, you know, I, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And I hope you guys have a great Wednesday. 
I appreciate everyone that takes the time to listen in. And yeah, it's been a Cali Green Monster show. I've been your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you from the Tesla Studios in sunny San Diego, California. Peace, guys. No more lies a day. I got bills to pay. And it's my right to say when my days are done. I got wants and needs. I got hands that bleed Cause there are miles to feed More than one This old road I'm headed down again Like I'd always done before These old lies I tell myself again How this time it just means more I got aches I got eyes that strain to see what I've gained in losing you. I can't sleep at night. I should have held you tight. Thought I knew wrong from right, but that ain't true. It's your road I'm heading down again. Like I See you.